If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 9? I want to read a few verses of scripture, share a few thoughts, pray a prayer of blessing, and release you with the blessing and the anointing of God upon you today. Amen. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Um, Pastor Mike and his family are enjoying a week of vacation. So God bless you to the O'Brien family. Amen. Can we just give them a clap of appreciation and pray God's uh, rest and favor upon them this week. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, I want to read verses 35 to 38. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the labor is a few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In this passage of scripture, we see the benevolent heart of Jesus Christ. We see his brokenness and his sensitivity to the needs, compassion flow out of his heart for those that he ministered to. Many, many years ago, back in the 1940s, there was a man by the name of Bob Pierce. It was, he was one who... God began to birth a vision in his heart and a burden in his heart for those in need. And while he was on a trip overseas, he saw this young Chinese girl, this orphan girl who had nothing, had no food to eat, no, no money to buy anything, barely had the clothes on her back. And Bob Pierce was so moved with compassion, he took out his last $5 that he had all that he had, and he gave this young girl. That so birthed in his heart a movement. And Bob Pierce would later go on to found one of the greatest missionary and, and outreach ministries in all the world called World Vision. He was so moved with compassion that he began to, to have such a burden, and God used him to raise up an international ministry that has literally reached around the world. And he has been used, and this, this ministry is, is the largest that, that um, spans the globe and ministers in over 100 nations of the world. Later on, out of world vision would birth another ministry. Some of us know it as Samaritan's Purse. And God used this man and in, in, in his heart, was moved with compassion. May our hearts be moved with compassion. The challenge for the church of Jesus Christ today in a sinful world, in a wicked world, in a confused world, in a twisted world, in a hate-filled world, the challenge of the church of Jesus Christ is how to maintain the right focus. How to maintain the right heart attitude. How to maintain a balanced biblical focus and attitude. 
We are called to be filled with God's spirit. And the fires that I believe are beginning to burn on some of the college campuses across the nation, I believe are putting a renewed spotlight on the need for a spirit of revival, on the need for a passion for prayer, putting a spotlight on the need for a humble and repentant heart for, of the from, for the people of God. Some are calling it the beginning of revival, a refreshing, a renewal, an outpouring. I don't care what you call it. <laughs> Whatever you call it doesn't matter to me. What matters is that we experience it as the church of Jesus Christ, that we have a renewed passion. Get on fire for God. Have a zeal. Have a fire in our spirit. Amen? I want to experience, I want to encounter God personally in a greater way and in a deeper way. Personally, I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I have tasted and it's seen. I've experienced it for myself and you have also. But we need to experience God. But you know what? It's not just enough to experience God. It can't end there. We can't just feel good. We can't just experience revival. We can't just get restored. God wants to revive us to reach a lost in dying world. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, we see a template, if you will. We see the, 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 the critical steps in, in touching the world. I think the first thing is, how do we see people? How do we see people? The Bible says Jesus saw the multitudes. See, the way he saw them was, they were weary and they were scattered. He didn't see them as Jews or Gentiles. He didn't see them whether they were a part of the church or not, or religious system or not. You see, if we're not careful, we will begin to see people as Republican or Democrat. We will begin to see people as black or white. If we're not careful, we'll begin to see people according to our particular persuasion or perspective. But Jesus didn't see people like that. He saw them as weary and scattered as sheep having no shepherd. Do you realize this morning that mankind, that you and I are likened to sheep? That is not exactly the most flattering uh, characterization. Because sheep were not noted for their uh, abundance of brain activity. They weren't the smartest animals. Matter of fact, they were kind of dumb animals. Sheep could be eating and grazing, and they can go right off a cliff because they don't lift up their head. They just keep eating and eating and eating, and they could end up in off a cliff. They could end up in danger. And, and so you and I are likened to sheep, so you should be flattered this morning. You see, sheep, they needed guidance. Sheep needed protection. They needed help. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus saw humanity and, and human beings, no matter how rich they are, no matter how educated they are, no matter how talented they are, no matter how successful according to the standards of this world, they still need a shepherd. 
all of humanity. See, Jesus saw them. He saw the multitudes and he saw them. They were like sheep that had no shepherd. We know the scriptures tell us so clearly in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I give my life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. And you see, Jesus saw humanity. He saw them in grave danger. I want to ask you this morning, is that how we see people? Do we see them with the eyes of Christ? A revived church, a renewed church, a restored church will see people differently. But it's not just enough to have, have this kind of compassion that's so critical for the people of God. You're not only are able to see the need, but you need to feel the need. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That word or, or the, the, the construction of, of the sentence in the Greek language of which the New Testament was written... The, the literal translation in one translation said, he was swept as by a storm. What does that mean? It means that what he saw hit him pretty hard. Meaning it affected his emotions, it affected his whole being, so much so that it, that it really touched him deeply. The needs of our world, of a Christ-less world should touch us deeply but the problem is it doesn't touch us that way for many reasons but one reason by nature we tend to be self-focused we tend to be self-absorbed we tend to be selfish turn to the person next to you say it's only going to get better from here human nature by nature we're concerned with, with our world, population one. We're self-focused. I once heard a preacher say this, and, and I said, man, this, he's so far off, it doesn't even make sense. But you know, as I, the longer I live, the more I realize this to be true. This preacher once said that a person is more concerned about their headache than they are about your cancer. And I said, I don't know about that, but the, more, the longer I live, the more I realize that when we're so self-absorbed, self we can hear of tragedies, we can watch TV, we can hear about people perishing, dying, and all we're concerned about is what we're going through. I think that what, what the problem is is that we're so desensitized so inundated with images, social media, TV, that we can watch on TV and hear the news reports of 40, 50,000 people dying in an earthquake and we just change the channel and go on to something else. What's for dinner? God help us. God help us. Jesus, he did ministry. He was busy. He was tired. He was worn out. And the Bible says he was still moved with compassion. You say, well, he was God. Yes, he was, but he was also man. I think we might understand the divinity of Jesus, but we don't always understand the humanity of Jesus. He still lived in a body, a human body. He still had the limitations of this world, and, and he got tired, and he got hungry, but still he was moved with compassion. You know, 
I think we can all face and go through. It depends what kind of career we're in, if we deal with people, if we're in the healthcare industry or the ministry or social work, uh, anything where you really deal intensively with people, you could, you could have what's called compassion fatigue. And that's when you get so overwhelmed with everybody else's problems and you start to internalize them, you start to feel it and it starts to wear on you and then you start to shut down and you get numb. And that's something that you and I, as the people of God, we have to look at our example. We have to look at Jesus. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. And you and I need to be moved with compassion. And if we're not, we have to pray, God, touch my heart once again. God, make me sensitive to you and to the needs of others. God, stir my heart. God, break my heart with the things that break your heart. It was Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, that said that. He prayed that. He said, God, break my heart with the things that break your heart. Wow. That's quite a prayer to pray. But you understand, what we do as a church, that's why we do it. Because somewhere, somewhere along the line, in our prayer time, in our consecration to God, our hearts would move with compassion. Do we always feel it? No. But one time we made a consecration at an altar, in a prayer time, in a missions banquet, in hearing a mission message, in hearing something that so touched our hearts that we said, God, I want to be your hands extended. I want to have your heart for people. That's why we do what we do. That's why we give to missions, home missions, foreign missions. That's why we take time to not only go across the streets, but we go across the seas. When we went to Liberia, my wife and I, our hearts were so touched when we literally saw people's lives being impacted by the practical giving of the finances of this church. I remember one elderly pastor, he was in his 70s. He had pastored for many years, doesn't have the, the social uh, security system we have in this country to retire on, didn't have any kind of savings. All he had was what he, he lived day by day. And I heard about this pastor who had faithfully served God for over 50 years. And I saw this man, and what I found out after I had blessed him, after I had given him a $100 bill, if you want to know how much that's worth, that's probably worth three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 to you and I. When I gave him a $100 bill, I didn't just give him that money, but I prayed over him. I gave him a word of encouragement. What I found out later, he had just been released from a hospital where he was suffering and in pain. And I realized that's why we do what we do, to impact people's lives, to touch people. And he was one of dozens of pastors and leaders that we were able to bless because of your giving and because of your prayer. That's why we do what we do. We got this opportunity to impact the assemblies of God throughout the whole country of Liberia. 
God has opened up a unique door. God has given this opportunity for us to preach, to minister. And we don't go there as, as experts. We don't go there to condescend. We go there to link arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to bring encouragement to them and to let them know we stand with them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of these pastors and leaders themselves are pastoring large churches and are greatly anointed. And we're humbled when we see them come and, and even in the pastor's office, some of them just kneel before us and ask us to pray and lay hands on them. I was humbled. I was wanted to say, you should be praying for me. But we thank God that God has given us this opportunity. And what we do as a church through our day-to-day -day lives, just trying to reach people. We do it because of the love of Christ within us. Paul the Apostle said, the love of Christ constrains us. May God soften our hearts. Would you pray with me right now? There's no, no need just to listen to a message without applying it. Would you pray right now? for God to sensitize your hearts to the needs of people. Father God, I pray right now, soften our hearts. God, we must admit, Lord, that we get calloused. We must admit, God, that we get desensitized by the need, just all that goes on in our world, that we miss out on, on the, the, the heart that you want us to have. God, let us be moved with compassion for the lost and the dying. May we see them differently, God. Father God, I pray for this church, God. I pray for its outreaches, its benevolence ministries. I pray, oh God, for its soup kitchens and, and all the outreaches and all the ministries, God. Father God, that there would, we would be moved with compassion, Lord. Father God, that you would anoint and bless, God, every sandwich, every cup of coffee given out. May it impact people's lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. God, may you bless those that serve. May you encourage their hearts, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. I, I pray that God softens our hearts because we, we look at people in the natural. But God doesn't feel a certain way about people because of, of how they look, their religious background, their political affiliation, or their sexual orientation. God loves people no matter their ethnic or racial background, no matter their education love level, and we should love people also that way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God feels love for all the sinners of the world. That's why he came, that's why he shed his blood, that he could set people free from their sins. God loves all people, but he calls all people to repent and turn from their sin, put their faith in Jesus Christ, and commit to live a holy and a godly life. We love all people. We welcome all people at Victory Assembly of God. We welcome everyone. Why? Because God's arms are open to everyone but we also preach to them his word. And his word was repent and believe the gospel. So whatever person's sexual orientation is, they must repent and they must live a holy life. God loves homosexual sinners and he loves heterosexual sinners, but he calls both to repent and live a sanctified and a holy life. Amen? God wants us to have a heart of compassion for all people. 
His heart of compassion is seen as he entered the city of Jerusalem for the last time before he went to the cross. In Luke 19.41, the Bible says, as Jesus drew near to the city, he saw the city and he wept over it. May we feel the way Jesus feels. I remember at the beginning of the church over 30 years ago, so vividly, I was driving in my car around the, the area where the church we first started on Branch Avenue, and I was praying for the community. And something so powerfully came over me. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit entered into that car, and I began to feel the burden. I began to see people walking by, people in the park, the way Christ saw them. And I began to weep so uncontrollably that I had to pull my car over to the side of the road. I began to pray and I began to intercede for the lost in the community. And you see, what that was was the Holy Spirit helping me to see the way Jesus sees people. And what, what was happening is I was being moved with compassion. And you see, that was something God was doing in my life. That's something God must do in our lives. Because like I said earlier, we're concerned mainly about me, mine, I, myself, and, and that's it. But God wants to communicate a measure of his heart to us for lost people. You know, God has given us so many opportunities to reach people, to love on people, to minister to people. I believe Victory Church does an awesome job of loving on people. Can you give yourself a clap of amen? You see, God wants to revive. God wants to renew. God wants to take what he's doing in this church and multiply it and increase it greatly. Can you say amen? Would you turn to one more passage? And I'm just closing with this. And this is something I want you to pray over us. I'm going to ask my wife to come. I'm going to ask Andrew and Nettie to come this morning. I want us to pray. I want us to stand in the front. Did I see Nettie here? She's working. Okay. Okay. I, I, you see, mother and daughter look so much alike. I literally thought that was... But I want to I just read a passage of scripture from Romans chapter 15. God has opened the door. God has given us favor in, in the country of Liberia to have the general superintendent, the assistant superintendent of the whole nation of the Assemblies of God blessing our conference, attending our conference, inviting pastors and churches to this conference. It's an honor. It's a, it's a blessing. We're, we're humbled, we're honored to, to be used in that way. And I believe God wants to do something even greater this year in that conference. I believe God wants to pour out his spirit. God wants to bring a greater spirit of revival. And again, the churches in Africa, I've been to eight or 10 countries in Africa. God is moving powerfully. We need what they have. Amen. Um, but God is allowing us to go. God is opening these doors, but we don't go in our own strength. I've had people tell me, when I say pray for me, we're going to ask, oh, pastor, you've been so many times. We know you're going to do great. Oh, yeah, thank you. 
Glad you feel that way. I don't always feel that way. I need prayer. I go, I go with, 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 a, with, with a brokenness and a humility and saying, God, if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Romans chapter 15, and I believe that's the heart we should have because Paul had that. Look what Paul said. He said in, in, in Romans chapter 15, he says, by faith, when I come to you, I shall come, verse 29, in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He was speaking in faith, but look what he says next. I beg you, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. I don't know if you heard the strong language of which Paul spoke. He said, I beg you, strive together. This is a spiritual battle. We're doing kingdom business, and we need the, the, the grace of God to be with us. I want you to stand together with me. I want you to just, um, just stretch forth your hands towards my wife and I, and I want you to just begin to pray right now. Just begin to, just begin to ask God for his blessing. We're going to leave uh, not this Monday, but next Monday. We're going to be on a, a mission. We're going to be traveling. We're going to need the, the prayers of God's people. Come on, pray for our protection. Pray for a, a health. Pray for an anointing. Come on, just begin to lift your voice right now. Father God, we just, Lord, we bring our pastors before you, Lord. God, we stretch out our hands in an act of laying our hands on them, God, to fortify them under your anointing. God, to equip them, Lord, with the fellowship of the brethren, Lord. God, to come into agreement according to your word in unity, God, that they might be completely under your anointing, under your leadership. Father, we pray, God, that you would strip away every opposition. We pray, God, that your standard would come against every opposition on them, God, to deliver your word, your good news, to be your stewards, and to deliver the obedient word you have given them for this season in Africa, in Liberia. We come together right now, God, to, to bless them, God, God, to, to pray over them, God, to to, to, to request of you, to intercede of you, God, for divine protection, physical healing, mental healing, spiritual healing, God, emotional healing would go with them under your great word, under the authority that lies in the presence of your spirit and your steward. Father, we pray right now, God, that you would bless them. Bless Nettie and Andrew. Bless the churches in Liberia, God. Bless those who will come to receive the good seed you've planted in our pastors. We cover them, Lord, that that good seed would be bagged up and have complete resistance against any opposition as they store it, as they prepare it, as they protect it, as they surrender it to you, that when they deliver it, 
It's not from them, but it's from you. That way, Lord, we know, God, it would be and produce that in which you prove, you prove to plan according to your word. You know the plans you have for them, Lord. The plans for them to use them, that there would be prosperity, that there would be your will done in Liberia. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to go. We thank you as a body for the, opp for the opportunity to come into agreement with them and have the opportunity to send them, Lord. Help us to be faithful as they're gone. Help us to be faithful, Lord, in all that they have equipped us to do and to be, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. And we will see you Wednesday night. We'll be here next Sunday also. Uh, opportunities for you to give. That money will go to bless people in Africa. Amen.